You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. This is the message from this week's service. If you want to view the full service, including worship, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. While there, you can also see what's coming up at the church or even check out some next steps. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Praise be to God. What a joy to be... Oh, that's not good. Yeah. I preach 30 minutes per, per half a bottle. So 30 and 30. You got a bigger one? No, I'm just kidding. When, when John Brown was the governor of Kentucky, he uh, spoke at a... He was governor of Kentucky from 1979 to 1983. Bought Kentucky Fried Chicken, a couple million, turned it over, 200 million. Great story, businessman. And while he was... The governor of Kentucky, he spoke at a local high school. And after he spoke to the uh, students, the, uh, super, the um, principal of the high school said, would you like to have lunch with the, with the students? And so the governor said, yes, he would. So as he went down to walk through the cafeteria line, the gal behind the counter put a uh, scoop of vegetables, a roll, and a piece of chicken on his plate. And the governor said, could I have two pieces of chicken, please? And the girl said, no. Everybody gets one. He said, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, I'm the governor of Kentucky. She said, do you know who I am? He said, no. She said, I'm the girl that passes out the chicken. (laughs) And everybody gets one piece. I have one piece of chicken for you today. Just one. What a subject, what a great gathering, what a hunger, what a need. I make no, no apologies whatsoever. We need the Holy Spirit. Let's try that again. We need the Holy Spirit. I love your pastor, his family. Uh, he's always been gracious and kind. God sent him here. Uh, how many of you thank God for your pastor today? Can you put your hands together and thank God for your pastor? A little offended, he ran down all the way down there to see a baby and but didn't even stop to see me, but I'll get, I'll get over that. Here's why I love your pastor and why I love Word of Life. Your pastor and leadership know these truths. Lost people matter to God. The only hope of our world in this city is the local church. There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. A hundred years from now, only one thing is going to matter. Who was in heaven and who was not. If it matters then, it has to matter now. To God be the glory, there are 2,640 world missionaries and missionary associates on the field in the Assemblies of God. Your Assembly of God missionaries are in 252 countries, territories, and provinces. There are 53 million members in 367,398 AG churches overseas, 13,000 churches in the USA. One new minister is being credentialed every 76 minutes. One new church is being planted every 81 minutes. And one new believer is being added to the church every 54 
every 54 seconds through the work of your missionary family around the world. Thank you for giving to missions. How many of you are grateful that you can give to missions? And it's happening because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to all, for, to all of us so that we, we could all be witnesses. The Holy Spirit is always connected to the mission. My text today is in Acts, Acts chapter 2, and I'm so glad my wife is here, Unhi. She's, wait, wait, don't clap yet. She's, she, you don't have to stand up. Hun. She's five foot two. She tells me whenever I say that she is not five foot two. She's five foot two and a half. So we're not going to fight and squabble over the half, okay? I say she's five foot two, and since I have the mic today, she's five foot two. <laughs> when we get in the car, she can be five foot two and a half. Would you just wave so everybody knows who you are and they can see you in the dark? Can you? See? There, she, there she is. There she is. <laughs> God bless you. In Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 1, the scripture says in the ESV, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to each of them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, say all, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible is so clear. Why do we celebrate Christmas? The birth of Jesus. Why do we celebrate Pentecost? The birth of the church. When God poured out his Spirit and the whole church-wide, worldwide movement began to take place. So who is the Holy Spirit this morning? Before we get into the very practical aspects of this, remember this. The Holy Spirit is a person. Can you say person? person. He's a person. Twelve times in John 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. And every time he uses the masculine Greek pronoun, he. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a form. He's not a force to wield. He's not a mystery to solve. He's, some people are very weird when they, some even get nervous when you talk about the Holy Spirit because of all the weird things in people they see. I, I've had people come up to me and do all kinds of weird stuff under the quote, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. <laughs> He's a person. He's not a code to crack. Not an energy to tap into, not a feeling to chase, not a power to get your hands on. He's a person to know. He possesses intellect, will, emotions. He testifies, he teaches, he convicts, he intercedes, he guides. He's treated and responds as a person. He can be lied to, he can be grieved, he can be resisted, he can be insulted, but he is a person. Secondly, he's divine. Can you say the word divine? We know he's divine because in John 16, 7, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage I go away. Now, did Jesus really believe this? The only way he could believe this, if the, that he, the divine son of God, it's better to, for him to go away, is that if the divine Holy Spirit would come and be here. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Can you say helper? Jesus said when the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. 
He won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He'll declare unto you the things to come. He'll glorify me. Friends, the Holy Spirit, get this, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus and never attracts attention to himself nor ourselves. Jesus said he'll testify, so he's our helper. Always points to Jesus. And in our text, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it's an incredible text about the Holy Spirit. The question is, if he's a person, he's divine, and he's our helper, why did God's Spirit come on the feast day of Pentecost, seven weeks after the resurrection? How did God's Spirit come to a group of humble, ordinary people? Where did God's Spirit come in the context of ordinary life like yours and mine? My subject this morning for the next few moments is simply this, making room for the Holy Spirit in your life. Making room for God's presence in your life. Here's my discovery. First, God's presence comes in a time of uncertainty. There were three great Jewish festivals in which every male Jew had to attend. Every male Jew living within 20 miles of Jerusalem must attend. The Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The word Pentecost means 50, 50th, because it fell seven weeks after the Passover. Passover fell in the middle of April. Pentecost uh, uh, fell at, at the beginning of June. And at the Pentecost, two loaves were offered up to God in gratitude for the ingathered harvest. Never was there a more international crowd in Jerusalem than at the time of Pentecost. I love D.A. Carson's a definition of the church. D.A. Carson says the church is a natural band of enemies who love each other for Jesus' sake. Is that awesome? We're all different. All have different stories. All have different backgrounds. But we're all in the same room. You know the only reason why we're in the same room is because the only difference between you and me, and there's a lot of differences, is one thing brings us all together. And who is it? It's the name of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, the one and only, the only one you could change your life and change my life. God's presence comes at a time of uncertainty. What's unique? Uncertainty. The Lord had just ascended. The disciples were all alone. Rome was breathing out threats because the message of the resurrection was being preached. Peter had gone back to his own old occupation for a time. Nobody knew exactly when the promise of the Spirit would be fulfilled. It was this total time of uncertainty. And God brought you here today on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And guess what? Maybe you feel alone like the disciples fell alone. Felt alone. Maybe you've encountered opposition of some kind like the early church. Some of you are in a difficult season right now. I don't know, but you know, and the Holy Spirit knows. Maybe like Peter, you're considering dropping out because th things haven't gone as you had planned. Maybe you feel like your life is on hold. You're patiently waiting for promises God has given you that are yet fulfilled. Maybe your marriage is in a struggling season. Maybe you feel alone in school. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're fatigued. It's no secret today, just because you're born again of the Spirit of God doesn't mean that sometimes life gets hard. Don't look at me like I'm a strange, I'm an alien. 
I know every one of your first names. Your name is you. God's talking to you. Uncertainty. Maybe you're worried about, really over-worried about something. Maybe you need strength today to get through this, through a difficult season. God, here's in this exact context, God's presence was poured out to strengthen every believer. My son said to me one day, he said, Dad, isn't it awesome that God uses imperfect people to preach a perfect message? Isn't it amazing the, whole, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all, everyone that's an imperfect person? Here's my lesson, and, and when I discover this and really read the text, here's my lesson. Never judge the future by the season you are in. Write that down somewhere to come in handy. Never judge your future by the season you are in. My second discovery is this. God's presence comes to those who are hungry. Can you say hungry? I don't mean to go home and get on the grill now and start grilling by 11. I'm talking about another hunger. What does it mean to be hungry? It means to desire more and more of closeness to God. Somebody said to me once, Pastor, why, why was John the Beloved at the Last Supper leaning on the breast of Jesus? Well, that's simple. You know why he was leaning his head on the breast of Jesus? Because he wanted to be leaning his head on the breast of Jesus. What's that teach us? That you and I can be as close to Jesus as we want to be. Isn't that awesome? What is it that produces spiritual hunger? It's genuine humility that knows how much it needs the Lord. How many of you would admit, admit today, first of all, that you're not perfect? Let's try that out. Okay, about half of you. Okay, I'll give you one more chance. How many of you would agree you're not perfect yet? Okay, almost, maybe three quarters. I'll make it easy for everyone. How many of you know the person sitting next to you is not perfect and they need a lot of help, the person sitting next to you? <laughs> Isn't it always easier to see the imperfections in other people than ourselves? But God comes to a group that's hungry. Ordinary, common people from Nazareth. Ordinary. Abraham Lincoln said, God must love ordinary people because he made so many of those. You know why Acts 1.15 is so meaningful? It says there were about 120 gathered together in the upper room. 120. Now, when Je Jesus gave the promise of the Holy Spirit, he gave it to 500. But over a 10-day period, 380 opted out and went away. And on the 10th day, there were 120. 120 hungry people. You know 120 people can shake a city? 120 people. In other words, here's my discovery. It's possible to become not hungry and not desperate and not humble. It's possible to become distracted and consumed with lesser gods and idols of the heart. It's, 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 in other words, God wants to create a heart that, as one pastor said, that's primitively dependent upon God. It's the words of Moses in Exodus 33, 15. Lord, if you're not with us, if you don't go with us, don't send us up there. In other words, God pours water on the thirsty. He pours water. He draws near to the desperate. God fills believers that are hungry. 
God's presence comes to those who ask him. It's James chapter 4, verse 8. It's such a small principle verse, but it's a promise, and it is a principle verse, both together. Draw nigh to God, and he will what? Draw near to you. How many of you are hungry for the Lord to fill you to overflowing? Oh, I'm not, I'm not just talking about here. I mean a lifestyle. How many, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine where it's excess, but be what? Continually being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. That means it simply has to, that's it, what, what Paul was simply saying is, don't be stimulated by something that's outward that wears off. Last night I had to walk outside, right at dark last night. Just last night I had to go out and get something out of the car from my wife and and as I was out, out on the driveway, this car comes flying down Oak Orchard Road from, uh, from, from Morgan to, heading towards uh, Henry Clay, and it's a car full of teenagers. They've got the windows down, and they're screaming bloody murder, every foul words and screaming word that you could think of. And they, it, it sounded like the whole car load was drunk. And my heart was broken as I thought about this. This is going to wear off and leave them empty. Because all temptation is a lie, promising you something it can never deliver. How many of you are thirsty for the Lord? How many of you are hungry for, for Jesus? How many of you thank God we can ask, how many of you have time for Jesus to strengthen you for the journey? How many of you are willing to ask, Jesus, just to fill your heart to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand it's sound theology. When, when you get born, when you get a born-again Christian, and most of you are probably here, and maybe some of you just walked in, maybe you're guests, maybe you've been here a week or two or three, you're not sure about the church, you're not sure if the pastor's crazy, he speaks a little different kind of accent. You're just checking out, and we're so glad you're here. We understand as a body of believers, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart when we profess Jesus and give our heart, our life. When we become saved, we understand that Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the overflow of you allowing Jesus to so saturate your heart, that saturate your spirit, that you begin to pray in other tongues and begin to worship God, and God can strengthen you and strengthen you and strengthen you. And the Bible says you go from glory to glory, from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength, until you can stop saying strength, God, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, desires for every person here to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God gets no glory of your life by walking around like this. Oh, how you doing? I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't, know. I don't know. God wants you to be strong. God made it possible for you to be strong. God will enable you to be strong. God will enable you to be strong against everything that would rob you of being strong. Why? Because, because the Holy Spirit is supernatural. The Holy Spirit is divine. My third discovery is this. God's presence comes to overcome our weaknesses. Can you say weaknesses? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have any weaknesses? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Why would God touch their tongues on the day of Pentecost? They all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Because James chapter 3, verse 2 says this, If any man offend not in word, the same as a mature person and able to bridle the whole body. What's that mean? That means since we sometimes speak before we think. Have any of you ever done that? We speak before we think. Since our greatest challenge is with our tongue, then God touching our speech is saying to us that if God can control our speech with the help of the Holy Spirit, then God can overcome other weaknesses and bring our flesh under control. How many of you know the flesh is very weak? How many of you know that all of us have weaknesses that God's Spirit can overcome? Why is it so important to allow God to overcome our weaknesses and inconsistencies? Because of the truth of Acts chapter 5, 32. Now, if you're here and you, you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, listen carefully. This is for everyone. Listen to this. Acts 5, 32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This means the measure of the Spirit which a man or woman can possess is conditioned by the kind of man or woman they are. You can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit and push him away. You say, are you saying, well, I'm, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to argue the difference between oh, can you make the Holy Spirit leave you when you sin? I'll tell you, but I will tell you the truth, this. When you continually practice sin, even though you know Jesus and you're still practicing known sin, that's not in your best interest, the Holy Spirit will become very silent. If he doesn't leave you, He'll just become silent. And God will use that opportunity for you to be hungry and draw near to him. The scripture is very clear, the measure of a spirit. The person who's honestly trying to do the will of God will experience more and more and more. It's not works, it's not works, it's not works, it's not works righteousness at all. It's simply a biblical truth that the more we surrender our hearts to the Lord, the more we'll experience the presence of the Spirit. Here's my discovery. Obedience draws God's favor. Disobedience drives God's presence away from us. In other words, a clear conscience increases our capacity for God. Sin decreases our capacity for God. Transparency sees God overcome our carnal tendencies. Covering up keeps God away at a distance. Remember, Calvary only covers what we uncover. And transparency sees God overcome our weaknesses. I love Romans 8.22. Listen to this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin that leads to death. You know what that means? That means on one hand, we all have a nature that wants to sin. That's called the law of sin. On the other hand, believers in Christ have the law of the spirit that makes it possible to say no to sin. In other words, we all live in a corrupted body. How many of you know, even if you wash your dog and wash your dog and wash your dog, your dog is probably still going to bark at some time because your dog is a dog and dogs bark. And if you're a cat lover, well, I pray for you. I'm only kidding. Uh, cats meow, cats meow, cats meow. No matter what you do on the outside, cats meow. Why? Because cat has a nature of a cat. We all live in a corrupted body. We all have a nature that's stained with sin. But we can live free. The Bible says we can live free from the law or the dominion of sin 
that seeks to rule our mind and our body. I'm talking to some people today. God's talking to some people here today at Word of Life in Beeville, New York, right now, in this place. And you're battling with some things nobody knows about. You've kind of been keeping it cover. And on this beautiful Pentecost Sunday, God wants to free you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to make it possible for you to walk and enjoy the journey, not have to look over your shoulder and live with the power of a clear conscience. There's nothing so soft as a pillow of a clear conscience. God wants to free some of you today. Just suppose, what do you mean about this one law supersedes the other? Just suppose that Pastor Tom and I go fishing tomorrow on Oneida Lake. And Pastor Tom and I are in the boat, and I can't swim, and I fall out of the boat. And if I can't swim, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to sink, because I weigh none of your business pounds. All that Pastor Tom has to do is reach over next to the seat, and I have a little orange pound and a half, maybe, styrofoam flotation vest. And all that pastor has to do is take that vest and throw it to me. And I'm sure he would throw it to me. Yeah, okay, thumbs up. Yeah, I made me nervous there. I'll have to get somebody else to go fishing, all right. <laughs> and you know what happens to me? I'm too... 200 plus, never mind. I, I'm going to be sinking to the bottom. All I have to do is what? Reach out and what? Grab the one and a half pound flotation vest. And what will the vest do? It will hold me above water until Pastor Tom can reach out and bring me in. How can that happen? It's very simple. The law of the vest supersedes the law of gravity. The book of Romans teaches the law of sin is pulling us down, pulling you down, no matter where you're pulling you down, but the law of the vest is the law of the Spirit, and the Spirit can overcome the flesh so that you don't drown in your sin. You can be free by the grace of God. It's a work of God, but you've got to reach out and say, yes, throw me the vest. And you know what God will do? He's already done it. His name is Jesus. He's thrown, you the, he's thrown you the vest. That's what happened to me in 1974. Some of you won't understand this, but I had a 1974 Herbie the Love Bug Super Beetle. <laughs> Headers on the back, wake up the neighbors at 3 in the morning when I'd come in. <laughs> I had an 8-track player in my glove compartment. Oh, 8-tracks. Oh, fooey on DVDs. We, oh, we overcame cassettes. Let me see. Oh, that's right. I'm really old. And I was just buzzing down the highway there in front of my house, Liberty Road in Randallstown, singing, singing the song as loud as I could sing, songs like Imagine There's No Heaven. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, we were deep back then. We were deep. We all live in a yellow submarine. I said, we were deep. Oh, we sang deep stuff back then. <laughs> Been through the desert on a horse with no name. No wonder I was depressed as a teenager. The poor horse didn't even have a name. Cats in the cradle. 
All by my... Oh, we were deep. I can't get no satisfaction. And just when I was getting my head above water, I started singing, like a bridge. Oh, I was so depressed. And somebody shared the gospel with me on an airplane, July 10, 1974. I told them to get out of my face in Florida, but they gave me a gospel track. Ten days later, I read the gospel. My parents never took me to church once in my life. I was, I was just with my brother. We were the two most unlikely people to ever get saved. Not once in a church, not one day ever in a church, and yet the gospel penetrated both of our hearts, both gloriously saved. Forty-five years ago, never looked back once. Why? Because the the power of God is greater than the power of sin. I thank God for that today, and you should too, by the grace of God. Oh, maybe one last point. God's presence comes, number four, to give strength for the journey. Can you say strength? Is his presence that important? Look at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus said, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Luke 24.49, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be clothed with power from on high. What is the promise of the Father? That's simply called, notice, noted scripturally, clearly points it out. It's, it's, it's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's you and me being saturated with the Holy Spirit and energized for Christian living. It's the normal New Testament Christian experience. Some of you maybe have from a different church background and say, well, I don't believe in this. Uh, I believe everything ceased back then when it was poured out, and that was the day then, and there's no such thing, and yet millions of people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit around the world. We're sending missionaries to Africa, Africa raising up leaders, sending missionaries back, and it's amazing that the church that's going forward is a Pentecostal church. Listen to this. In Acts 2, 4, 120 were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts 4.31, people praying were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. In Acts 8.17, Samaria believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. In Acts 9.17, Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Acts 10.44, Gentiles at Cornelius' house were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 19.6, Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe. They said, we haven't even heard about it. Paul described, did what I'm doing today right here, and they laid their hands, laid their, they prayed, they prayed, they laid hands on them, and every one of them began praying in the Spirit. Why? Listen carefully. Over a 30-year period, why is it so important? Because praying in other tongues allows you to speak directly to God. The Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, you speak not unto men, but to the Lord edifies or strengthens you in prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, praying in the Spirit builds up your inner man. It, the Holy Spirit enables you to pray better as an intercessor, Romans 8, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness to pray. And the Holy Spirit leads you to more intimate worship. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will pray in the Spirit and I will sing in the Spirit. Dr. George Wood wrote it this way, the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to so overwhelm you with the presence of God that you'll no longer dwell on your own weaknesses, inadequacies, but instead be filled with assurance and boldness. 
When we pray in the Spirit, we pray in harmony with the perfect will of God. When we pray in tongues, we're using our voice and bypassing our limited human knowledge. There are times, most of yesterday, all through the day, while I was walking around, walking down to the river, walking, I just prayed in the Spirit most of the day yesterday, just, just praying, just quietly. I wasn't outside screaming on my deck so my neighbors could hear me and call the police and have me arrested because I was a crazy man. No, you don't have to offend people. You can be full of the Holy Spirit and be a quiet person. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a loud person. When we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God is praying through us and knows the mind of the Father. It's so beneficial. God allows us to communicate with Him beyond our human knowledge. God brings peace and rest to our inner man. As the band comes up at this moment, God's presence comes to make you a blessing. And I'm finished. A blessing. Can you say the word blessing? How many of you want to be a blessing? Okay, eight of you. That's awesome. How many of you want to be a blessing to other people? When you pull up, stop sign, red light, make a mistake, someone curses you out, and you want to pull down your window, and you're tempted to look at them and say, I love you, to tease them more and irritate. How many of you want to be able to just smile and just keep about your business? We need him. Oh, I need thee more. Make room for him more. Why is his presence so important? Because Jesus said you'll be witnesses wherever you go. Breath, fire, water, and anointing. Wind, fire, water, and oil. Four symbols all have to do with being a blessing to someone else. So here's my closing question as you begin to play. How many of you want to make room, more room, for God's presence in your own life? Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Leviticus 6.13 says, the fire shall ever be burning. It shall never go out. Acts 2.4 says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, which means God's presence is not for a select few, but it's for everyone. All means all. Listen carefully. Listen clearly. God has designed a plan that includes you being free from sin's power, being born again of the Spirit of God if you're not, and thirdly, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus. Just say, Jesus, come in and fill my room. I was in my dorm room. I was about 21 years old, first year of Valley Forge Christian College when I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began praying in other tongues that I never learned. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, youth retreats, youth convention, men's retreats, women's retreats, marriage retreats. It makes no difference. And God woke you up this morning by an act of your will and the prompting of the Lord you, you gathered here. I could think of no better way than to start our Memorial Day weekend today, really start today, asking God, Fill our empty hearts, baptize us in the Spirit, strengthen us with power from on high, surrender the hidden parts that maybe only you know about. God knows. Here's what's neat about the Holy Spirit. He knows who you are, knows where you're at, knows, knows what you need, and you know what else he knows? He knows what you're going to face when you leave here today.
And how, how many of you know we can't pray to be full of the Holy Spirit in an emergency without being prepared ahead of time? The time to prepare for war is when? Time of peace. So let's ask God today. Let's ask God today. Would you stand with me, please? Everyone standing in the house. I love Word of Life for a lot of reasons. And the good thing to know is this is a safe place. You have a great leader. You have a great leadership team. You have a great leadership board, church council. It's not a crazy place. It's, it's a healthy place. How many of you thank God for a healthy church? I thank God for a healthy church. A healthy church. We, we don't brag about it. We just thank God we're a healthy church. That's all. I go to crazy churches. This is a healthy church. So here's my prayer today. If you in your heart desire to be full of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe you have, but you've, you've been, you've been dry, dry as last year's bird's nest, flat as last week's uh, ginger ale with the top left off. You just, you just need God to re-spark and renew your heart, your spirit on the inside. I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and just begin coming. There's a prayer team that's coming. I want the prayer warriors, the prayer team, and we're just going to agree together with you. If it's your desire today to be filled and refilled and filled more, and just I'm asking you to give God permission to just make room and see what God will do. And we're going to agree in prayer. Maybe you need healing for your body. I've preached on healing and seen people filled with the Spirit, and, and the opposite takes place. You never know. In our prayer times around the altar, I've had people come and just begin just begin opening up their heart to the Lord and say things like, I don't, I don't even know why I'm here, but I'm hungry for more of God. If that's you, you're hungry. You're thirsty for more of Jesus. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to come now. Just step out of your seat and say, excuse me to the person next to you. Just say, excuse me. And just step out of your seat and just come and just come down here. Would you just walk down? Just come down. Yeah, just come down. Just come down. Maybe you need to renew your commitment to the Lord. Maybe you want God to use you in school or college or work, wherever you're at. And you just want God to use you. God wants to anoint you for service. God wants to lay his hand upon you for service. And we're going to pray. We're just going to pray. Pray one for another. Would you just, just step out and just begin coming? Just begin coming. And if you're not hungry as you want to be hungry for the Lord, why don't you just, come, just step out of your seat and come and make this your prayer. Lord, help me. Help me to be hungry. Help me to be desperate. Help me, God, to be desperate. Help me, God, to be desperate. Help me, God, to be desperate. Our musicians are going to play. Our voices are going to sing. We're going to leave the altar open and just invite you to come as you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you. Meet, meet us here. Ask the Holy Spirit to just, ask the Holy Spirit to just increase your hunger. Increase your hunger. I will make room for you. I will make room for you. I will make you room for you. Room for you, God. Room for you, God. I'll make room for you. Can we sing that song? Triple A.